Good to see you again. I'm a little taller this time around. Man, that joke bombed. I'll tell you what. All right. Good to have you here. Got a break in the rain this morning, so that's nice. You could drive here and not have to worry about the other people that are on the road during the rain. Right. Well, there's a story of a young woman who was engaged to be married, and she brought her fiancé to meet her parents, which is always kind of an uh, interesting time, right? And uh, after dinner, they had dinner, her father asked the young man, the fiancé, to come into his study for a chat. If you've ever been asked to go into a, a, a dad's study, that's not a good sign sometimes, right? If they have a study, right? Come into my study for a chat. And so he asked the young man, well, what are your plans for marriage? And he said, well, I'm a theology scholar. I'm a scholar of theology, study of God. And the father said, well, that's great. That's very admirable. But what will you do to provide a nice home for my daughter? And the young man said, well, I'm going to study God's word and God will provide. He said, okay, well, how will you afford to raise children? And he said, God will provide. So the men left the study and then the mother asked the husband, well, how did it go? And the, and the dad, the husband said, uh, well, he has no money or employment plans. But on the other hand, he thinks I'm God. <laughs> You'll get it a little bit later if you quite get that one. It took me a minute too, right? <laughs> we do have a God who provides, amen? He gives us gifts throughout our lives. As we read into Psalm 103 today, we're going to see in our little bit abbreviated time today what gifts he provides. I'm just going to read the first five verses as we get started. Psalm 103 says of David, which means David wrote it. He says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Father in heaven, we thank you uh, for your word today. I pray, Lord, that my, my words reflect your heart that your spirit speaks through me, and that your spirit prepares this room to hear from you today, Lord. We thank you for your gifts. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to give you today three recipients, three gifts by which we are recipients of God. Three, three things that God gives us throughout our life that we see in this passage. The first is this, that we are recipients of God's generosity. And that really is what a giver is, is someone who's generous. We're recipients of God's generosity. Now, David writes this, and he has been on the run from King Saul. And our Bible reading takes us right up to the time where King Saul dies, tragically. And he's been, David's been hiding in caves. He's been fighting for his life, and he writes psalms, and he writes the psalm. And, and a psalm was a song. It was meant to be sung, which is why it's a little difficult sometimes to preach through a psalm. Because you're preaching through a translation of a song, which has rhyme and meter and rhythm and all these things. So it can be a little awkward in translation. So when we read through a psalm, we're reading lyrics of what's considered a worship song. 
And so he says here in verse 1, he starts out the song with this, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Well, what are his benefits? Well, thankfully, here he lists some of them. First, he says, verse 3, one of his benefits are, He forgives all your iniquity. Iniquity has this idea of your immoral behavior. Anti-God behavior. Behavior that's not fit of the character of God. It's your sin. And so part of God's generosity is that if you know Jesus, you've asked him to forgive you, and you've come into a right relationship with God through Jesus Christ, and he is your Lord and Savior, part of God's generosity is that he forgives all of your sins. Not 25%, not 50%. Not 75, not just everything, but the really bad ones. Not 99.99%. He forgives them all. All of it. And they are forgiven from here on out until Christ comes back. And you are given a new, sinless, glorified, resurrected body, and you exist in heaven with Him forever where there is no sin anymore. You are forgiven for that. All your iniquity. Secondly, He heals all your diseases. When you recover from a sickness, no matter what that sickness was, recover from from a uh, a procedure, God has healed you. It's His doing. You know, I've only had one major procedure in my life, and I was 31, and I had my gallbladder removed, right? I had no idea what I was getting into. And let me tell you why I had it removed. Um, Because the doctor said, if you don't have it removed, it'll get infected, and it'll kill you. Simple procedure, but there's no way out. There's no way around it. So I, I'm praising the Lord that I was lived in a time where that's a simple procedure. Because God is the one who brought the healing. He's why he, maybe that's why he had me to live in this time, right? And not 2,000 years ago. I don't know. Or maybe it was the food that did it to me. Who knows what it was, right? But the point is, whenever you recover from anything in your life, yes, there's doctors and medicine that have the skill and the, and the way to do it. But God is ultimately behind it. It's ultimately God who's healing you. That's what David is saying. God's bringing healing. And recovery from sickness is the grace of God. If you don't believe me, I want you to get a real bad uh, 48-hour, 72-hour stomach bug. And when you feel better, you know it's the grace of God. Amen? You're like, man, I'm so glad to feel better. If you've ever had one of those, if you have kids, you probably had one. God heals all your diseases. He also, verse 4 says, He redeems your life from the pit. Now, in biblical times, travel was a real danger. There were robbers and people like that, but also if you traveled and fell into a literal physical pit, which happened, and they didn't have the DOT back then, right? Or ground gave way because of rain or something like that. If you fall into a pit by yourself, there's no cell phone to call someone to come get you. There's no towing company or anything like that. Someone has got to give you out. To get you out, God had to intervene. He had to send another traveler, another person. He had to make a way where there was no way. You're in a literal pit. We don't think about that now, the dangers of that, but it was a real danger. Now, contemporary Christianity, all the time we take this verse and we kind of turn it into a metaphor, like, you know, I'm I'm in a pit. Get me out, Lord. Like, metaphorical pit like a like a depression or something like that and he does do that 
But David's talking about, no, when you're really in a cave, you're really in a pit and there's no way out, God gets you out. And the same is true with our metaphorical pits. He certainly does that. But he does so much more than we can even imagine because he's a generous God. He says in verse 4, he crowns you with steadfast love and mercy and he satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagle's. When, when he blesses us with good things, it energizes us. Amen? It makes us feel good. I mean, we, when the Gamecocks win, I'm energized. When they lose, I'm not, right? Good things happen to your life. When, when something good happens into your life, you're, you're energized. You feel good about things, right? You wake up and you feel young again. Sometimes I wake up, I don't feel young. A four-year-old woke up this morning and told me his back hurt. I said, like, you're too old. You're too young for that. I must have slept on it weird or something like that, right? When God blesses us with good things, it renews our souls. That's why he gives us grace, generosity. It makes us feel young, energized, because God's a generous God. Secondly, we're recipients of God's gentleness, his gentleness. Verse 6 says that the Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. God is the God of those who are persecuted for their faith. God is the God of those who are downtrodden. God is the God of those who are ill-treated. God is the God of those who are abused. Why? Because he is a gentle God. He doesn't kick you while you're down. It's not what kind of God he is. He, he lifts you up. He makes justice happen. Moses and the people of Israel saw this firsthand, and David is recounting the long track record up until this point that God has with helping them aligned and helping the victimized who needed that aid. And so God is gentle in that way. And we see this further in verse 8. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. God's gentleness here shows through his patience. If you've ever seen a patient parent with a, with a wild child, and they're being patient, they're also being gentle. If they're being gentle, they're being patient. Go see a child, a parent that's not being gentle. They're not being very patient. They've lost their patience, right? God's gentleness shows through his patience with us, right? He gives us many chances to get things right. And his anger builds slowly. He's not just going to bust into your room and say, what are you doing? How could you have done that? Like a parent would to their child or something like that. He's not just going to lose his anger one day. He doesn't have a bad day at work, come home and take it out on his family. He doesn't have a bad day at home with the kids and take it out on his family. He doesn't do that. He's God. There's no bursts of anger. His anger rises slowly. Now, when it comes to a head, it came to a head once, and it'll come to a head again. It came to a head on the cross on Jesus Christ, and God's anger was given to Jesus for all the sins of God's people. And it'll happen again in a place called hell for those who don't believe in Jesus Christ. But his anger is slow, slow, because he's a gentle God. He's gentle. Verse 9, he will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. 
He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. Part of God's gentleness is that he has the ability to crush us, but he doesn't. He won't. He has the right to do that, but he doesn't. Right? Our sin has, has earned us his judgment through Jesus. He doesn't repay us justly. He repaid us by judging Jesus, who was sinless on the cross. Verse 11 says, For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. David says here that God's love is immeasurable. How much higher are the heavens above the earth? How much higher is the top, the further north of outer space? Well, there is none. You can't find it. You can't get there. You can't go far enough north. Where is north in outer space? No one knows. You can't reach it. It's vast. It's never-ending. And that's what he says, that God's love is higher than the highest heavens to the earth. You cannot get there. You cannot measure it. It is so vast. The distance cannot be measured. Look what he says in verse 12. As far as the east is from the west. How far is the east from the west? You can't measure it. They're both going different directions. And they don't meet up. He removes our sins that far. Well, you can't find it anymore. It's gone. The east and the west will never meet. And that's the point of it. God's love is a distance that is immeasurable. You cannot measure it. Verse 13. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. God is a compassionate father in this way. You know, think about how, how if you're a parent or a grandparent, how you treat your child gently, even when they anger you. And when they anger you, you still can treat them gently. You know, parents have the physical, parents are bigger than children. I'm talking about little kids. All right, we have the physical ability to destroy a child, physically. And in some horrible situations, that happens. And God judges those people, so don't worry about that. But parents have the physical ability to destroy a child, but they don't. Because we're their parents, right? God sees us the same way. He could crush us. He could end us. But he's a gentle God, a gentle father, okay? Why? Verse 14, he knows our frame. He knows that we're weak. He remembers that we are dust, right? His gentleness comes because he knows we're weak. He knows we're frail. He knows we're dust to him. You know, when uh, my, my other three children are older, but my younger one, you know, when he does bad things and makes me angry, uh, you know, I, I, I give him a lot of grace. Might be because I'm 44 and he's four, I don't know. But I know he's, I know he's a four-year-old. He didn't quite understand everything. It's my job to teach him to learn what to say and what not to say and what's appropriate and what's not. If I don't, my teenage kids will, and I ain't good. <laughs> God knows this. He says, he knows our frame. He, he created us. He's gentle with us. He won't break us. Verse 15, as for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. What do flowers do? They bloom and then they die. Verse 16, for the wind passes over it and is gone and its place knows no more. All our days on earth are 
short. You know, I've been here almost 10 years as the pastor here at First Baptist. And the 8.30 service, I've told them this morning, has changed a lot since I've been here because it's, it's a service that mainly older people go to. And I've seen them die. And they used to sit over here, and they used to sit over here and over there, and they're not there anymore. They, they were here every week, and then they get sick and they're dead. And we go to a funeral, but guess what? Church still comes back the next Sunday, and there's an empty seat. And in a few months, someone else takes it. That's what he's saying. We're here, we live a a great life, but it's short. So God's gentle. Think about that next time someone's giving you a hard time in your life, someone's causing problems in your life. Life is short. Are you treating them gently like God would? They could be gone tomorrow because life is that short. They are a flower that grows and the wind blows it away. Are you being gentle? God is with us because he knows we're not going to be here that long. Now, in heaven we will be, but on this earth and this life we won't. We have one life God's given us to the resurrection. So he's gentle with us, and that's the way he wants us to be. Thirdly, we are recipients of God's graciousness. We're recipients of God's graciousness. Verse 17. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting to those who fear him and his righteousness, to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. God is so gracious with us, he says here, that his love is eternal. Never ends. You can't measure it, and it will never, ever end. You know, we get a little bit of taste of what it's like for love to end, don't we? If there's a relationship breakup, even if it's a middle schooler or someone in their 60s, it hurts. We feel like a love has ended. When a, a loved one dies, even though it might have been in good terms, it, there's somewhat of a love that has ended on some level. It hurts. But God's love never ends. You'll never have that feeling. If you know Jesus Christ, you'll never know what it's like for God to not love you anymore, ever, right? His love is eternal. And here's something interesting he says, in his righteousness to his children's children. There's something interesting about God's love and about God's grace here in that even though your children are responsible for their own salvation, you can't save your kids, if you are a believer and have children, God still gives them grace on some level and some love because they're yours. There's some generational blessing that goes down. I don't quite understand how it works. It's not salvific. They don't save them. But there's some type of blessing. He tells us right here. The righteousness goes from children's children. It might be the fact that, you know, you have them in church, and so they live you know, a better life, and they, and they know Jesus. But, but there's something to do with the fact that when you have children, and you're a believer, especially if you, if, you, if you introduce them to Jesus, especially if you have them in worship and Bible study, there's a special grace there that God gives them. Right? And it says that, verse 19, that the Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. His graciousness is rooted in the fact that he is a king that will never cease to reign. Never. He's the only king we know, will ever know for eternity. There are not king elections every four years in heaven. Praise the Lord. Can you imagine? 
who will have a king forever, and it's, he'll, he's, he'll be all we ever want and all we ever need. Because the perfect king who gives us perfect love, gives us grace, generosity, gives us gentleness. We are recipients of God in that way. Now, this psalm ends in a response. Every worship song, good song, should call God's people to do something. And this is a response in verse 20. There's three, three, three actions here. Verse 20. First, there's a call for the angels to bless the Lord. Isn't this funny? David says in verse 20, Bless the Lord, O you angels, <laughs> God's messengers. Bless the Lord. That's all they do. But David's still telling them that, that they need to obey the voice of the Lord for who God is. And he calls on the angels to do so. In verse 21, he says, Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. The word minister means those who serve. All of God's people serve or should serve or are supposed to serve. That's what he's saying. All of God's people, God's servants, bless the Lord. When we know these things, we know that God is gracious and gentle and, and, and generous. We are to bless his name. That's what worship is all about. Amen. It's a call for all of us to bless him for who he is. And finally, in verse 22, the third is, bless the Lord all his works. He's calling on the, on the good deeds that are done in Jesus' name to bless him. Interesting. When you do something good, do it in the name of Jesus, and it gives God glory. If you do it in the name of yourself, God gets no glory. You get the glory, but God doesn't. So do the things in Jesus' name, and God gets the glory. In all parts of his dominion, all parts of the universe, we praise God for what he does. If you had a good friend that was generous to you, gentle with you, and gracious, wouldn't you want to go hang out with them all the time? You would, wouldn't you? Well, you do. You have more than a friend. What a friend we have in Jesus, but you have a, a father figure. You have a Lord. You have a king. You have a God. Multifaceted relationship with the creator of the universe is what you have. And what is your response to the God who is and gives today? Maybe you're a believer, or, or I'm sorry, maybe you've never placed your faith in Jesus Christ before. You've never believed that Jesus is who he said he was. Today's the day to make that decision. Today's the day to enter the, the kingdom of God and be a part of the people of God Maybe you're like, well, you know what? I've been coming for a long time, and I've never done it. I'm a little ashamed. There's nothing to be ashamed about. You can be ashamed of your sin, but there's nothing to be ashamed about in ever coming to faith in Jesus Christ. If it's your time today, it's your time today. And if you are a believer today, as you leave here, you know, we're called to imitate God. Sounds like impossible, doesn't it? We have the Holy Spirit. How can you leave today and be generous, and be gentle, and be gracious to those that God puts in your path. Why? Because of who God is and what he's done for us.